Hello and welcome to the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Coach Matt Giarmo. Coach Giarmo is currently the quarterback coach at Riverview High School in Riverview, Michigan. Prior to that, he was the head coach at Ann Arbor Father Gabriel Richard High School. He also had assistant jobs at Gibraltar Carlson and Zeeland West High School. He also was a speaker at the 2021 MHS FCA Clinic on Power Team Football and Program Building. And I know you will love listening to Coach Giarmo on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast. All right. So on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast, we have Coach Matt Giarmo. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Nice to be here. And uh, we always talk football with other people and learn new things and find out new information. So I'm, I'm all for it. Heck yeah. Uh, now I was, I was telling somebody on a podcast, I think it just came out today. I, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or like before or after I said, I'm going to start calling this the Michigan football coaches podcast, because I feel like it's like a, it's Michigan football coaches, uh, you know, lined up. I think it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we've got some great coaches in the state and, uh, the area I'm in, there's a lot of really good coaches. I'm, originally from the west side of the state of Michigan and um you know just there's great coaching all throughout the state there's great scheming there's great players and and uh Michigan high school football itself is just really fun and being able to see it from you know different perspectives not only from you know teams we played different you know being able to go watch games you know when your season's over or whatever you're during the season scouting it's always fun so uh, I always look at look forward to watching other teams and learn as much as I can about you know those schools because it's always exciting so yeah, I actually lived in Michigan for a couple summers. Uh, my dad played for the Tigers back in the right before the strike. Um, okay. So yeah, man, like I've I've spent some time in the great state of Michigan. The Mitt, as some people would say, right? You know, the the Mitt. What's up with the Upper Peninsula? This is like this is way off topic, but what is up with that? Like, how does that work? How is that not Wisconsin? You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just. We just claimed it years ago. So yeah, it's cool. It's like, what in the world? Like that, that is definitely connected to Wisconsin. What is going on? Um, they, they definitely like to make it known uh, how good they are at certain things. You know, when their team's playing the finals, they come down, they represent well, and they like to say MVP power. So, oh, really? So that's like a territorial type thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They love to talk about it. So that is so cool. So, coach, got up there, so. yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so, coach, for the listener, uh, just, Please give us your background, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from uh, Monroe, Michigan, which is uh, about 20 minutes south of where I'm living right now in uh, Riverview. And uh, we moved over to the west side of the state when I was three years old. My dad was a head football coach, um, and we lived in Byron Center, Michigan. Uh, went to school there, graduated in 2010, uh, played football, obviously. Um, was a quarterback for a league championship team. Um, had a great time you know, going to school there, growing up there. Great community to live in. Um, and then I went to Western Michigan University. And when I was at Western Michigan University, I got to work with the football team um, in the equipment department. So I was a student equipment manager for four years um, for Coach Bill Cubitt first. And then my senior year was with P.J. Fleck, which was actually his first year at Western. So, you know, everybody knows about P.J. Fleck and how crazy he is and everything. And uh, it was very interesting to see it from the inside his first year when he was really starting to establish his culture and, all his sayings and the way he is and um, to see it turn around after I left was really cool. Uh, but just to be there and do that. And then um, when I was done with that, 
my senior year, uh, going into my senior year of college, I did an internship with the Indianapolis Colts for equipment as well. Um, and that was Andrew Luck's second year. So Andrew Luck, Dwayne Allen, Reggie Wayne was still playing, Robert Mathis, you know, and you get to see all these guys and learn how they do things. And you see their work ethic, and it was just a really cool environment to be in because even though you're not there on a, a football side of it, you're, you're seeing everything every day because you're working with the players, you're setting up for practice, you're doing things at practice, you're, you're just involved, you see people, and, and the way they treat you is just great. You know, sometimes they might look down on people that, you know, do stuff with equipment because you're kind of behind the scenes, you're not really a big part of it. And being an intern, sometimes that even backfires some more, but um, I, I never felt that way. We were always treated great, you know, we were treated like you're part of the family. So uh, once I got done with that, <clears throat> Went back to school, finished my last year, and then uh, I got into teaching. And uh, I got lucky that when I did my student teaching, um, I started coaching at Zeno West High School. And that's where Coach John Schulte's at, big power T. Uh, he's like the guru on the west side of the state. And, you know, mm. and I'm sure we'll get into it later. You know, he, he got all of his stuff from Coach Irv Ziegler, who, mm. you know, was kind of the, the first guy to do it in Michigan and really made a name for himself. But Sheboygan and then Belden. And uh, so I coached for him for three years. And ironically, I wasn't even coaching on the offensive side of the ball. Mm. I just uh, kind of learned the offense through seeing it in practice every day, obviously, because I would work the scout team. I coached in JV and freshman. And then, uh, you know, I, I kind of took that next step of my career and I wanted a little bit more responsibility. And I was looking for a new teaching job. <clears throat> and I landed at Flat Rock High School um, over here in the Denver area of uh, Michigan. And I was coaching at Gibraltar Carlson for my uncle, Jack Charles, who we talked about before the show. And uh, he gave me some offensive responsibility. And, you know, he's a real estate agent himself. So when he was uh, busy a lot of times in the summer, you know, he had me run some stuff in the summer, like our, our lifting stuff with our uh, lifting coach, Sweeney, at the time. And um, so I got a little more responsibility there. I got to do things that I wasn't doing at Zeeland. Um, and, and really it was just because I was kind of a little man on a totem pole at Zeeland because we just had a great, really great staff. We've been there a while. And, you know, I was just kind of – I was just getting my feet wet at that time. So I uh, went to Gibraltar Carlson, a uh, program that had been kind of mediocre for a while, five and four, four and five. Uh, had made the playoffs in over 10 years. And the first year we were there, we had the highest scoring offense. Um, mm. I think we had the most rushing yards in school history. Uh, we won nine games, played for a district championship. And then the second year there, we won our league championship. And mm. eight again. Um, so that was a really cool experience, getting that uh, chance kind of co-coordinate the offense call some plays and then that led into my first or my head coaching job at uh, Ann Arbor Gay Richard in uh, 2019 and then 2020 coached there for two years <clears throat> took over a program at the time that was struggling a little bit they had, had tradition they'd had some good teams uh, we were one and eight the year before I took over my first year uh, we we were five and four we made the playoffs we lost in the first round to a team that we'd already beaten actually Whitmore Lake, and uh, just kind of had to re reestablish uh, culture, reestablish the program a little bit. Um, and then the second year was the COVID year, which everybody had to deal with. We only mm -hmm. played four games that year, got to play a playoff game, uh, but just wasn't like a normal year. And I'm sure, like you, you guys probably dealt with it out there. It just was with the stoppage. You know, in Michigan, we started practicing four days, and then we had to stop the season. And mm -hmm. then we started back up two weeks later. And we started from game four. Our schedule was all mixed up. So it was a wild year. And then um, after last season, <clears throat> I was looking for a new teaching job again. And uh, just out of my own interest and my own want, uh, I wanted to get back into the classroom. I was teaching PE at Gabe Richard. 
and I wanted to, I'm a social studies teacher by trade. Hmm. So that's how I ended up at Riverview. And Riverview is down the river, uh, right by Flat Rock. We're in the same conference as Flat Rock. We're in Monroe St. Mary's where Kyle coaches. Hmm. Kyle and, um, you know, it's been a great landing spot as far as just uh, philosophy fit with Coach McLaughlin. Derek McLaughlin our head football coach. Uh, run the T offense. Um, and so it was a great fit for me, obviously having coached quarterbacks before in the offense, and now I'm doing it again. And uh, we have a great staff, great group of guys. We've got kids who really work hard and, and really have a passion for the game. We have a great community feel. Friday night game at Riverview was really exciting, um, something that I hadn't been a part of in a couple of years because at Game of Rashard, we played 4 o'clock home games. We didn't have lights. So, oh, my gosh. Wow. We were great to get back into that atmosphere of a, of a Friday night game. So, uh, but yeah, we had a great season this first year. We were 9-0 in the regular season. We had a couple of bad injuries at the end of the year. Um, we lost our opening round playoff game in a mud pit at Allen Park to a really good team. And uh, like I said, it's, it's just a great place to be right now. We have great administrative support, great community support, kids that work hard. And um, I teach in the middle school, teaching geography. So I'm having a blast and uh, a great place to be. Yeah, man. I, listening to your story, I think it's great that how you just learn from all those different stops. And yeah. like you're building – I mean, you've been a head coach. You're continuing to build yourself as a coach. And did you intentionally go coach at places that had the same offensive philosophy? Is that something that was in your mind as you were going going through that? Or is it something that just kind of fell in, in place? So uh, when I was in high school, uh, we ran a Delaware wing team offense. Hmm. That was my dad's offense that we ran at Byron Center for years. And um, ironically enough, and, and this is about me, but my junior year, I was at another high school. Uh, I had transferred back to Byron Center, and I was an offensive guard my junior year. And I moved mm-hmm. back to Byron Center, played quarterback because I was in the system, you know, K through eight. And before I left, we came back, and one of my dad's old assistants took over. So I, were, I grew up in the Delaware wing team, buck sweep, trap, belly, mm-hmm. counter trap, all that stuff, and um, waggle. And uh, that's what I thought I wanted to do for years. And like I said, you know, being lucky to be a part of a program at Zeno West. Before I got there, they had won three state championships. Coach Shilato had an amazing resume. And, uh, you know, my dad coached against him once before in the playoffs years ago in 95. And um, <clears throat> I just had a chance to learn from him and see it. And also with my uncle's background at Monroe St. Mary's, he played for four state championships, won a state championship, and seeing the offense and being a part of it and obviously coaching with him at Walter Carlson, that just kind of made me like it more and see mm. the benefits of it. Um, like I said, seeing it from Zeno West where it had worked for years and we were just really good at it and the kids really worked hard and learned it and we had mm. great coaching, um, to seeing it at Walter Carlson where we went into a program that wasn't as successful recently before we got there and then really immediately turning it around. And the program has kind of stayed that way at Carlson, even though they've changed the offense and things like that, but um, hmm. that's where I kind of fell in love with it, I guess you could say. Um, I, I have a passion for it and things like that. And, um, like I said, there's a lot of guys who know a lot more than me and I've learned from a lot of great people. And, but the fact that I've coached for two of the best T coaches in the state, and now I'm with a program in Riverview who is just as good at running as any, any school, hmm. Even, you know, before I got there, you know, they've had success. They've, they've won, you know, just regional championships. They played in the semifinal. Uh, Coach McLaughlin does a great job with our program. And so just kind of going from place to place is really exciting. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, my career, 
man, my first two teaching jobs, I was let go because of, of uh, budget deals, like student yeah. enrollment dropped and I'm like scrambling to find places. Uh, so, man, I feel like it's one of those things like that was 2008, 2009, or when I was like, no, I was like nine, 2009, 2010, the recession just happened. And man, I, I went to different places and it was totally different philosophies, in different spots. And yeah. I look back thinking, man, I wish it was more like synchronized, you know, cause there's so much out there you can learn, but yeah. it's how much can you learn to coach and, and, and all those types of things. And I just, man, that's a, that's a, your, your career is a great story. And Hey man, if I can stay in the, in the, the vein of something, I can learn how to be really good at it. I mean, that's something I've, I've definitely am, am learning as you're, as you're talking. Yeah. I mean, I said, uh, got lucky at a young age my dad was a head coach and I had a cousin Bill Jarma who was at East Kentwood which was a neighboring school where I went to school before Here's for back to Byron um he was a head coach for 20 years and uh, I was my uncle so we had a, a a family of coaches and teachers and you just kind of gravitate to what you see you know I was always at school with my dad I was at practice with him I'd ride the bus with the team it was just one of those things that like you can't replace that kind of a childhood and I got to be a part of it you know unfortunately uh you know we lost my dad a few years ago and my cousin Bill also passed away recently and those guys were other than my uncle you know probably the two most important my dad obviously the most important person in my life as far as coping and, and obviously being my father and uh you know just being around them and just getting in so much information because it's mm-hmm. like one thing when you go to a practice or and you see people do it but you hear it at home you talk mm-hmm. to sport you learn the sport you learn the history of the game you learn why certain things happen and why you coach them. And I have so much more to learn still. And, and uh, But I've just been lucky to be around those types of people. And it's just continued on with this new stop. Absolutely. Coach, talk about what does individual look like for the quarterback in the T offense? What are, what are your must-dos every every game week for you to feel like, hey, my guy's ready ready to go? Yeah. Well, I think it, I think it depends on the program. Um so it depends, you know, at, at uh, Carlton and, you know, what we did offense every single day. Mm. Um, and even at, at uh, Ann Arbor Gable Sharp, when I was the head coach, we did it too. At Riverview, we only do offense twice a week. Mm. Uh, so on the defensive days, sometimes we mix in some team at the end, but mostly we have our offensive days on Wednesday. Mm. Um, and so really when you get into individual time, our first thing is stance and start taking the snap. Mm. And so it really depends on how you – how everybody approaches it. Um, I know uh, we've, we've done different things with our hands, how we accept the snap, um, how we practice it with the centers. <clears throat> and really the first thing is our first step out of center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a straight step back. Uh, our body should be pointing towards the backfield and really understanding how to hide the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, not, we're not putting on our hip. We have to tuck into our belly button with the ball pointing out. Um, and that gives us the deception of the, of the power to the offense. So steps are very critical. Um, and really what we do is we have a process where we go through our first step and we get to our second step, our, our second and third step uh, kind of work together. And mm-hmm. it's like, a, it's like one, two, three. And that's kind of like our base steps into most of our plays. And the more you do that, the more you rep it, you just get better at it. So mm-hmm. we rep it on in practice on our individual time. And really that's the biggest part because those three steps build into all of our plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we branch off from that, obviously in other plays, but, the basis of what we do is those first three steps. And we have to get to a depth where we can hand off on the trap and also hand off the ball on our off tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll mix in some throwing. Um, 
maybe five, 10 minutes of throwing. We don't throw the ball a ton, but we had uh, we had a really good athlete at quarterback this year who, who could make plays. So we threw the ball a little bit more, probably more than we've thrown a lot in the past four or five years at Riverview just because he was a great athlete, uh, Preston Thompson. Unfortunately, got hurt at the end of the season. We didn't have him for a playoff team, but um, – you know, like I said, you work into those things every day, and it's just one of those, it's like muscle memory, right? Mm. And you start working on it in the winter, and you just keep going and going and going through the season. You know, by the time they get to the summer, they're they're pros at it. Um, mm. And being such a simple offense in theory, it makes it easier to practice those things. Yeah, I would imagine you don't feel like, hey, I'm having to rep all these different fundamentals because we have all these different things we do you're trying to get really good at a limited number of things so i would imagine kids are in your program for four years they're really good at that by the time they leave right you know yeah and we in um you know especially like Riverview, we have a really good lower level um our team has been really successful um and then obviously our varsity's had success recently and so you know you build in those steps you build in that routine and you just get used to it right mm. the more you put the better you become and, and the hard part about this offense at times, and I'm sure other coaches may have told you, it can be very monotonous at times. It can be mm-hmm. very boring with some kids. And it really takes that special player to, to say, you know what, I'm just going to do the best I can. I'm going to do it all the time the right way because I know they'll pay off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some kids that's hard because they want to throw the ball. They want to do this. They want to do that. They mm-hmm. want to do things their own way. And they have to understand that it's a team concept. And that's the great thing about this offense. We don't focus on one guy. We have mm. four, four backs, essentially, our quarterback and our, our three running backs. And mm. so any night, one of those guys can make a big difference. You know? mm. And uh, your base footwork really adds to that. Mm. So does your quarterback come over and get the play, or is it y'all signal? I mean, I'm not asking for signals, obviously. What's your flavor <laughs> of getting the play in? Um, yeah, so, that, so yeah, our quarterback comes over. I'm, out, I'm up in the box now, and that's where mm. I was at Carlson. And uh, obviously, as a head coach, I was down the field. But mm-hmm. now I'm up in the box. Uh, Eric Southward, who calls our offense, um, you know, it's kind of a collaborative effort. We all kind of work together, making the mm-hmm. game plan, what we're looking for, things that we're trying to see in the defense. You know, how's this guy moving? What defensive front are they playing? And mm-hmm. so I try to communicate that to him, and he makes calls. And, um, you know, if Coach McLaughlin, uh, Coach Mack wants to ride there, there's something he wants us to do, and we do that. Um, but it's, a, it's really a team effort in how we coach it how we game plan, things like that. And that's also part of the strategy with our offense. You know, when the quarterback comes over to the sideline, you're ticking off a good 10, 15 seconds. Mm. And so the more that we're on the field, the more that we run the clock, the harder it is for defenses to kind of get in rhythm, you know? Mm. And uh, I think one of the things about it is you want to make the other team, you can make them cold in essence, you know, they're on Mm. the sideline waiting to get back on the field, especially with the spread offense. You know, teams want to play fast. They want to score points. They want to gain yards. And the more you keep those guys on the sideline, especially if the quarterback is a one-way player. And in our league, a few of our quarterbacks are two-way players. So the more that uh, you're on the field, you're running plays, you're running at them while they're playing defense, better for us, obviously. Mm -hmm. When you were a head coach, what kind of defense did you like? What was your flavor on that side of the ball? What was your philosophy there? Yes, yeah, so we ran a four-two-five, mm. um, and I got that from Zealand West uh, mm. when I was there. Mm. And uh, I also took a little bit from uh, Carlson. We ran a little bit of a three-front at times um, during our COVID year. We we kind of flipped the defense towards the end of the season 
we had a three week break in the middle of the season. Oh wow! So COVID, we couldn't play. Um, we had a bunch of kids sick and we couldn't play games. So during that three week break, we kind of got together as a staff. We met on Zoom and everything. And my uncle, who actually was one of my assistant coaches that year, kind of taught the defense to all of us and just said, "Hey, mm. have you better look for us because we were low on defensive linemen." We had a little bit more linebackers, so it gave us an extra backer out on the field, basically as that fifth defensive back playing a three-three. Mm. But uh, that's me, good. personally, that's good. I'm more of a four, I'm more of a forefront guy, um, mm. and and that we run at uh, we run actually a five front at mm. uh, at Riverview now. So. Like a true five down or like a, a three-four. We it's a three-four, but it looks like a fifty-two. Yeah, yeah, that's what we are. We're we're you know three-four or five-two. Uh, you know, cover two, cover three. That's kind of our, our, our flavor. Coach, when you're looking at your offense, I was looking at your your presentation. Are you? A, do you do the old like not old school? But I guess it is old school. Like the old school shoulder blocking techniques. Is that something that most team coaches do? What is that? Are you hands? How how is that? How does that work for you? I think it depends uh, one on the scheme, what play you're running. I think it also depends on the player that you have. Hmm. Um, I. Initially, we teach the shoulder block. Mm-hmm. Um, we also work inside on inside hands, mm-hmm. um, but also at Zeno West and even at Carlson and even at uh, Gabor Shard, we gave our tight ends a little bit more leeway. Mm-hmm. We had some kids that could block their hands and could get off the line, but initially it starts with that shoulder block, and that's just to get that initial movement and get contact low on a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I coached the offensive line for – the first year I was at Gabe Rochard, um, then I did, went back to quarterbacks. And uh, our biggest thing is just getting off the ball, low, mm-hmm. fast, hard, whatever it is. Um, and we work our get-offs every day. So we work our steps with our get-offs. And it's just fire off the ball five yards as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, then we would go um, into blocking technique where we would work on just our shoulder block. And then would work on driving a guy for five. So you kind of build those things into practice. And really, it depends on the coach, too. Coach Chilto at Zeno West, you know, he didn't use a sled or a shoe uh, oh. because his philosophy, and, and I think it reigns true, is you block, you practice what you block in a game. You know, you're not mm-hmm. blocking a sled. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're not blocking in a shoe. And so we used hand shields. Um, you know, at Riverview, we're a little more, we, you know, we're a little more physical in practice with stuff. And so we, you know, we block each other as much as we can, um, you know, within the rules, obviously. So. Uh, because we only get so many contact practices a week, so we're not trying to, you know, do too much. Um, mm-hmm. But it really just depends on on the coach. And um, but we were all, obviously always physical as you know, Les and Carlson, and you know, especially at Riverview, we get, we just have some tough kids. You know, we have some wrestlers, we had some other guys who are just tough kids, and, and they're just a little bit more physical at times, and, and they really get after kids. So we teach technique, we teach toughness, we teach fast off the ball. Um, but really, I think it depends on the kid a lot. Of times. Man, that's good, yeah, because that's that's something I think about. You know, if you got a strong physical dude that can get movement, you know, he can use his hands. Maybe a yeah. smaller guy needs more shoulder. Uh, but yeah, that's that's so interesting because you know I, I feel like sometimes when I talk to people, it's you know one size fits all, so to speak. And yeah. you know, at high school level, we don't get to recruit that guy. You know, no. <laughs> like that's who's it walking in the hallway. And I was at a, a college clinic. Uh, yesterday and they did a great job and i'm looking at like their bodies versus the bodies that 
you know, I'm going to play with. It's like, yeah. that's a different deal, you know? So like the fundamentals have to be, have to be a little different. We, we've been really lucky because we've had uh, this year, especially at, at Riverview, we had two really good tight ends. Kale mm-hmm. Lockhart is going to go play Division three at Trine. And we have, uh, mm-hmm. we had Landon Kincaid, who unfortunately got hurt in the middle of the season, uh, hurt his leg, but he was uh, a force on the defensive side as a defensive end and also on tight end. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to go play at Saginaw Valley State. But just two kids that could get off the ball, drive people off the ball. And I think that makes a big difference. You know, when I was at Zealand, we had – Kids are just were really good, big kids at tight end. Um, and at, at uh, Carlton, we had a couple of kids like that too. So some years you're really gifted with certain guys, and some years you got to find those guys, and it just depends mm. on what your personnel is. Mm. I've asked this question, I think, everybody that I've interviewed uh, that runs the Power T. What do you do with the kid that says, hey, coach, I play wide receiver? <laughs> what happens to that guy, you know? <laughs> well, it's funny. I <laughs> – when I was a head coach and, you know, you know, at a smaller school I was at, like Gabe Rashard, we had under, you know, 600 kids. They're under 500 kids, sorry. Mm. And, uh, you know, you're always out in the hallway recruiting kids. Hey, you want to play? Hey, can you play? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I have kids come up to me and say, hey, I'll play football. Can I play receiver? I said, well, we got tight ends. We got running backs. You know, we don't have receivers. And, you know, sometimes, oh, okay, you know, they, they get upset, but you just got to be honest with them. That's what it is. So, um but there's ways to utilize that. And I think there's things that you can do with certain kids you know, going around and seeing other coaches, uh, whether it's a different set, whether you, you can split a guy every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And Coach Silito, who's T as they get, right? He's he's down to, you know, that's what he does. And uh, even him the last couple of years, two years ago, he had a quarterback that was really good. He was playing at Peter State. He ran out of the gun a few times. Mm-hmm. So – you know, it really just depends on uh, how you want to utilize your kids. And uh, just because you don't have receivers doesn't mean you can't throw the ball. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's something, you know, you need defensive backs, you need tight ends, you need running backs. Yeah. I've had kids over the years say I'm a wide receiver. I said, no, you're probably like a tight end. You just need to get in the weight room. You know, exactly. you're, you're skinny because you're weak. It's not that you're – like naturally skinny and they look at you like what it but it's true i mean you're not super fast you need to just bulk up you know so what does your weight room program look like what do, what do y'all do there to like to complement your your offensive style so in season um our kids do some form of lift or exercise before every practice before oh, wow. we get, before we even get on the field whether it's squat day a bench day a clean day or a deadlift they do something in the weight room, and that is uh, through uh, Coach Mack. He set that up you know, a long time ago, but um, he, his philosophy is that, you know, when we lift before practice, we're a little bit more fresher, and it's just something to keep the kids going before practice, right? And that's his philosophy. He's, he's really big on the fundamentals and technique in the weight room, and, and it shows, I think, a lot of times. So that's kind of our in-season. Um, and then in the off-season, kids kind of just come in. He opens the weight room four days a week. Mm. And they come in and get their lifts in. If they're not in class, that's when they do most of their lifting. We also have a football tech class in the spring where they'll lift, work some football techniques. And then in the fall and winter, it's just a normal lifting class. And mm. so our office coordinator, the guy who calls our plays, Eric Southward, he teaches those classes. Coach Mack also teaches those classes as well. So we have a lot of kids lifting during the year. In the off season, we open it up four days a week. We're in there lifting in the off season as well. Um, and we do some conditioning after. So 
everything that we do builds into how we practice and how we play. Mm. That's awesome. And, and, it, and it teaches that mentality of just lifting hard, working hard, you know, being ready, being fresh all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting looking at, you know, weightlifting and have that mesh with like your style, you know, like what kind of offense are you? What kind of defense are you? Obviously you want to build athletes, but if you're trying to be more, you know, ball control, ground game, your offensive line needs a certain set of skills, right? And your backs. How do you, like when you're looking at like your tail, like your running backs, are you guys layered handoff? Are you, some people are layered handoff, some are not, some are traditional. How do you, how do you guys do that? So we, we do both at, at Riverview. We do a layered handoff usually for our fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, our halfbacks will take a traditional handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at Gabe Rochard, we did all layered handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's more of just a, a coach's philosophy. That's that's what we do at Riverview. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think you can work it both ways. You know, I think it's more just a feel for it and what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. When you – you know, when you guys are looking at, I'm not asking for like trade secrets. Like when you guys are looking at installing the offense, like what do you, how do, what do you do first, second, third? It's like, what are you looking at? What's like play one that you're, Hey, this is what we're going to do this first. And then kind of, how do you sequence that um, in your install? Cause I know, you know, some guys are like the tease and off tackle offense. Some guys start with trap. What's your personal philosophy on that? Where do you see kind of the offense starting um, when you install? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, at Riverview, we're a big off tackle team. Mm. So I think our I think our off tackle game is our our biggest play. Um, mm. Whether it's a full flow, whether it's a split back, um, whether it's just a regular sweep, you know, we we love to attack the off tackle and, and be physical there. Um, mm. Obviously, trap is big for every team. Mm. Um, and honestly, it depends on the year because there's some years where your trap play is one of your better plays, mm. and Tackle, you're always gonna you're always gonna come back to off tackle, and mm-hmm. then there's some years where trap is just it's just not hitting for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. We use counter a lot. Our counter is a good play for us out of our mm-hmm. team. Um, and you know we build that into some of our play action passing things like that. So um, we we uh, we like to be an off tackle team, I think, um, and that's just kind of where we attack that. And it really just depends on the week we're playing where we want to attack. Um, you know, we're going to mix in obviously the uh, passing game wherever we can, and uh, our off tackle and our traps. That's awesome, Coach. I'm looking at the one of the last slides of your presentation you sent me, and you have some great thoughts here. Um, I would love you you to expound on a couple of these. I'll, I'll read them off. Um, coaching is not a one size fits all profession, and that's a Wow. You know, that's one of those things where I think some people think I have to be like Nick Saban. You know, yeah. I have to be like Dabo Sweeney. What's your, what's your, what's your thought on that? Well, I think everybody's got to have their own flavor to their stuff. Mm. Um, I listened to an interview with uh, Josh, I think it's Linky. Mm-hmm. And I thought he had some good points about, you know, you have to be your own person. You have to have your own personality. You can't try to emulate people. And I think as a young coach, I tried be that way sometimes mm. and uh, I try to be like my dad I try to be like my uncle I try to be like coach Schultz I try to be like you know guy my my cousin Bill and and in today's world that doesn't work sometimes with kids mm. how kids are um and so I think the way that you handle yourself the way you carry yourself the way that you 
interact with kids. I think that's a big part of it. But also, I think there's things that, you know, maybe I did as a, as a head coach that other head coaches don't do. Um, the way I, I structured practice, the way that we did drills. Um, just try to add your own flavor to stuff, right? And so that, but also you have to, you have to also carry a part of who you have coached with sometimes because that's what gave you your kind of identity as a coach, right? Mm. Uh, I, if I didn't do some stuff like we did at Zeno West, then I may not be, you know, doing what I learned, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a simple thing I carry on that my dad did when he was a coach, it's called fire ready, right? Mm. And so Thursday practice, uh, the end of Thursday practice, we have this thing called fire ready. We don't do it brewery right as a head coach. And uh, fire ready, we line everybody up on the goal line, and you call out every team. So offense, defense, punt, punt return, kick return. Okay, we just say kick return, ready, fire ready, break. We clap. Everybody steps out that's on that team. Count them out. Make sure you got 11. Just something, something little as that that I've tried to kind of carry mm. throughout that I kind of added to my practices, the way we practice end-of-game situations, right? Mm. Um, one of my assistants at Gabriel Sherman, he said, go, he goes, uh, man, I've never seen someone do a, a pregame practice like you. You go for a long time. I, and I guess that's just kind of trying to be prepared for anything that comes at you. Mm. you know? So uh, some guys, they like to practice longer. Some guys, they like a quick practice. Um, I'm, I'm more towards the fact of, or the thought of, you know, state gives us three hours. We're going to use all three. Of them, right. Mm. And um, some people like that. Some people don't. Some people like to practice for two and a half. And I guess it's just kind of who you are as, as a coach, it's, you know, whatever you've learned, that's what you tend to do. And so mm. not everybody approaches things the same way. I guess that's what I meant by that quote. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, there's so many different ways to skin a cat in football. And I think that's something that gets lost to, to some degree. People will say, I have to do it like this, but that's not true. Because people, people can do it all sorts of ways. People can run T, they can run spread, they can practice short, practice long. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's just, you got to do what you, but you know, that fire ready drill is, I've never heard of that. I mean, I've heard of people doing call outs, obviously, but to like yeah. line the team up and then just name it and have come out. That's really, really good. I like that. I'm going to steal yeah, it. That, well, yeah, that was something my dad did for years. He always did that at the end of practice on Thursdays. And I just, when I became a head coach, I was like, I got to do this. I'm going to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. Now, one of your other <laughs> thoughts is use words and phrases that make sense to you and your players. So, do you let the, your players name things sometimes? Is that something you, you've done? Um, yeah, so um, when I was at Gabriel Rashard, we we came up with a naming system for our uh, calls at the line. So okay, in certain blocks that you make, certain double team calls, certain mm -hmm. whatever, and so we just kind of came up with stuff that made sense to us. Um, for instance, you know, we we terminal our terminology was for a double team. We we numbered the center out basically zero one two three. Mm. So if we had a uh, one two block, which is a double team between the guard and the tackle. Mm -hmm. um, our kids would say Brady, Tom Brady, twelve, right? Oh, I got gotcha. you. We had a two three block with the tight end tackle. Our kids would say Jordan, Michael Jordan. Oh wow! Oh man, I like that. Now, we don't use that at Riverview, but that's just something that we did there that made sense to our kids. It was like something fun for them, as opposed mm -hmm. to just throwing out random words that nobody understands. That was just something that we came up with at that time and. Mm. And the last one you have on here for general thoughts is have confidence in your scheme and the kids, the kids will follow, man. That's so true. I think 
you know, high school high school kids smell a rat instantly. <laughs> They're like, if you don't have confidence in this, I got it. You know, I can t- I can get that. How how do you display that without like feeling arrogant, you know, or feeling like, hey, I'm trying to talk over my players and and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially with our type of system, uh, there's a lot of naysayers at times. There's a lot of people who don't believe in it because it doesn't look like what they see on TV every Saturday and Sunday. Sure. Right? You see guys throwing for 500 yards. You see guys running great routes and doing things like that, moving with the ball. Um, and so, and especially in a world where offense is heavy, I think it's a lot easier for under, for people to see how offense works rather than defense because defense is the same to a lot of people, right? And mm-hmm. so offense is things that people know a little bit more about or they see more. Mm-hmm. Um, with our offense, I guess I just tried to approach it with the fact of we're going to take risks, we're going to take chances, we're going to believe in our system, we're going to believe in our players. And so mm-hmm. we, if it was a close fourth down, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for two every time we score. Why? Because you're putting pressure on the defense, you're putting pressure on the other team, and you're showing confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was something I got from Coach Silito. He always went for two. We really, I mean, in the three years I was there, we may have kicked two field goals. Oh, wow. I'm talking extra, I'm talking extra points. Mm. And we would go into a year, and I remember this vividly, the year we won the state championship in 2015, I th- I, he said before the season, he goes, I only want to punt five times. Gee, what is? We, we got in the state championship game, he ran a fake punt. And we almost scored on it. It's like, you know, it's just one of those things where you just believe in what you do. And uh, I got that kind of confidence from seeing that and, and mm. being around coaches that just took those risks. You know, our first year at Gabe Rashard, we had like an 80% two-point conversion rate because we just we just did we went. We did it. Mm. Um, you know, and so the more you show that confidence, and I, I used to use this phrase a lot with our kids. I would say, okay, let, let's make them chase us, you know, mm. as comparing it to a race. When you get out to a quick lead, you want to make sure you keep that lead. You want to make mm-hmm. sure that the other, you want to make sure the other runners are chasing you the whole time, as opposed to you trying to keep mm-hmm. up with them. So let's make the other team chase us. Let's go for two, you know. And and the more you know, you hit one two point conversion, you hit another one, and what happens is the other team starts panicking. They feel like they need to go for two, so they mm-hmm. get out of their plan. They get out of their rhythm, and by before you know it, you're up two three scores in a matter of one quarter. Yeah, what you're, what you're saying there about going for two, I have been so traditional about kicking the extra point, and you know, I, I will play teams. I we've played teams in the past. They'll go like muddle huddle, and they you have to prepare for that stuff. And it's not this muddle huddle, but they're going for two. So if they get it three times, and then you're just kicking, you know, extra points while you're down, and you feel, like you said, you feel rushed. You feel like, man, we're down, but we scored the same <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, have a, I have a really good story about that. Uh, one of my assistant coaches at Gabriel Shard, his name was Dave Lawrence, and uh, he was a, he was an ordained uh, deacon, mm. and uh, being at a Catholic school just fit right. And so he ran our special teams, and you know when I when I hired him and and we started talking about stuff, you know he he was really big on getting special teams in their practice, and I, was, I said deacon, you know we're only gonna give you, I'm only gonna give you about 15 minutes a day, you know. Okay, well, you know, I need these minutes. But the, the funny part about it was, you know, we're in the games and stuff like that. And he'd be walking behind me on the side. Hey, you want to punt? Hey, you want to punt? We're close for a field goal. And I'm just like, we're going to go for it. We're going for it. You know, just one of those things. Like, he was, and he was a head coach himself before at, uh, at Manawan High School in West Side State. So he was like an endless knowledge. You know, he had so many great things and, 
great stuff with our special teams. And he started a program at, at Gabriel Sharp before I got there called the Airborne Unit. And it mm. was a ward system for kids on special teams. And so oh, wow. he unfortunately also passed away after my first year. And so mm. we kept that system going. And mm. so the kids, if they score some amount of points by the end of the year, they got a t-shirt. And mm. it was just like a, it was like a sense of pride in the program. Like kids look forward to that. Right. Mm. And so that was something I learned from him, like that reward system for kids and making sure that everybody kind of gets something and, and sees that they're valuable to the team. Because it's important, mm. you know, you got 40, 50 kids on a team. You want to make sure everybody has a chance to to be a part of that. And I think that goes into things like game captains. You know, we didn't have captains at uh my second year because I wanted everybody to feel part of it. So you got elected as a game captain, you were a game captain. Mm. It was just something that I kept from other coaches as well. So it's kind of tangent, but that's kind of where I get that, you know, a lot of that flavor from, I guess. Yeah, coach, this is a podcast. There's no, we have no breaks. There's no time limit. We just talk, you know, we get on this thing and, and we talk about what, what we want to talk about, uh, which I, man, podcasts are so cool. This is a tangent too. Cause you know, I think about these, I would have these conversations with coaches you know, earlier in my career, but they were never recorded. So I forget what we talked about, you know, <laughs> if you don't, it's like, what do we talk about? And now I can go back. I, I can, I can steal your wisdom whenever I want. <laughs> I can go like, here, I need to listen. I'm going to listen to what coach said about that. And yeah. yeah, it's just cool. I would say too, you know, like I said, there's a lot of guys who know a lot more than me. And, and some of the guys I get these things from, you know, a guy like Craig Tibby, who you've had on the show, you know, they were in our league at Zealand West. We played them every year. And mm. he'd come out with 22, 25 guys, and they just bad. They just bad. So mm. when I went to Rochard, we had a small program. I called him. I said, Coach, what do you do for practice? How do you do this? And he gave me so many great things. Eric Stiegel was at Granville, another mm. great resource. Gus Capoca at Cedar Springs. Um, mm. Obviously, everybody learned from Coach Sigler. I haven't necessarily personally talked to him, but, mm. you know, um, he had a great program at Belden for years. And, we played them in the playoffs one year at Byron Center when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, you just talk to these guys. You get so much information. And, you and, and it, like you said, it's a it's a copycat business. You steal mm -hmm. things from people because you see how it works for them. You mm -hmm. see, you know, how a certain play or a scheme works. And I, I'm guilty of that, too. I, I'll watch films and I'll say, man, I like that play. I, so I try to install or something, you know. And if it fits in our scheme, it's great. If it's, if it's a different look, you know. And uh, so I, I, I think the way that you – approach how you how you make a connection with people and you talk to people get ideas that's all i've learned a ton from guys so you know i've i've been very uh, lucky that's awesome coach as we we land the plane in our podcast today i would love some advice for a guy looking to get into coaching some advice that you wish you had before you started i know you grew up in a family of coaches but is there anything you wish like hey i wish i would have known more about this before i i started coaching um, like you said, you know, I grow up in a family of coaches. You, it's right there. You see it every mm -hmm. day you live. It. And, um, I think one of the big things that I learned more than what someone could have taught me was when, you, when establishing a program is the overall, uh, arching of the program as far as administrative support, athletic director support, um, community mm -hmm. support, you know, mm -hmm understanding how to work with those people and understanding that, you know, you have to work together to make decisions. And, you know, if the situation isn't right, um, finding ways to correct. Mm. Um, and, and going to certain schools where 
you know, football may not be the big sport, right? So you got to kind of make your own path and blaze your own trail. Um, I think that was something that I learned uh, being a head coach that maybe I wasn't ready for. Maybe I didn't realize. I just figured, hey, everybody loves football. So it's, you know, it's what everybody mm. likes. Understanding to work with people and then seeing how it really is at certain places when you may have had a uh, misconception of it before, maybe you would have thought something different and then getting into it and go, wow, okay, well, I didn't realize this. Um, I'd say, you know, if you're going to try to be a head coach, you know, obviously make the connections, learn the game as much as possible. And I'm still learning stuff. I mean, like I said, being a part of the staff as a review, I've been able to gain so much knowledge on how they do things as opposed to how I would have done things, things like the weight room and, and mm. game prep, things like that. You know, everybody's got their own style, but learning it and seeing it in a different way from Coach Mack and Coach Southward and the other guys we have on staff that are just really knowledgeable about the game and care about the kids and things like that. Mm. You know, I just – I've been really lucky to – see it at all different levels, you know, being in high school, playing as a, as a player, then going to college and seeing it from the, you know, equipment side, but being at practice every day because you're working with those players and those coaches. And then you get to see it at the pro level, and then you go back and coach in high school. And, um, you know, being a teacher, a lot of it translates to teaching. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, like I said, being a young – I was 28 when I got hired to be a head coach. Mm. And for many people, that's really young. And for me – I had worked at it, you know, I kind of had a goal in mind of when I reached this age, I want to be a head coach. Now, my dad was a head coach at a young age. I think he was 28 as well. Mm. And it was exactly 10 years after he graduated high school. And I, I literally had that goal for, for a while. 10 years after I graduated high school, I want to be a head coach. And I accomplished it. Like, that was something that was really important mm. to me. It was a goal I had set. So I would say to anybody, when you're young, set those goals. And, and try to understand the, the gravity of the things that you do. You know, as a young coach, you're always trying to look for respect. You're trying to mm. blaze your own trail. Like, I want to be this. I want to do that. And um, as I've gotten older and seen it a little bit more, stepping back to that assistant role, I think I've seen it in a different way. And, uh, you know, if I ever do become a head coach again, you know, there's a lot of things that I've learned. And I'll take that to that next job if that ever happens. Absolutely. Coach, thank you for coming on this evening and talking with us. You, you, you're a busy man. You've taken your time to share your wisdom. I really appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us on. And uh, like I said, uh, we, have a, we have a really good program where I'm at right now. And Coach uh, Mack and the guys are great. And, uh, like I said, I love talking football, and he'd be a great guy to have on here too. So 